0: All right. Here we go on a Sunday morning in Las Vegas. I'm Brian Feldman, and coming to you live from the Fox Sports Residential Bank Corp. studio, this is Out of Line. We are here every Sunday morning at 8 on Fox Sports Radio 98.9 FM and 1340 AM, flagship of the Vegas Golden Knights and sister station of Raiders Nation Radio. Also, here is our social media director, Spencer The Wiz Ostrovsky.
1: Nobody beats the, Wiz. Nobody
0: beats the, Wiz. the Wiz is actually in Mississippi, but he can control things from anywhere in the world as long as he's got the Internet. Also here, producer Chris Magnum Chapman, who aside from producing a number of shows at Lotus Broadcasting, also serves as the locker room reporter for the Vegas Golden Knights radio network and the UNLV football pre-game show host on our sister station, ESPN Radio Las Vegas. We are also streaming on the LV Sports Network. And you can watch the show on Facebook Live and YouTube. The page is called of Line. That's O-U-T-T-A-L-I-N-E. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at of Line Fox LV. And since we are live, your calls and questions are welcome. The Spock Sports Residential Bancorp studio line is 702-876-1340. Hi, this is Bubby, and it's time for What's on Tap. What's on Tap, brought to you by title sponsor, Residential Bank Corp. Whether purchasing a new home or refinancing the home you already own, Residential Bank Corp is the company to turn to for all of your home financing needs. Residential Bank Corp, funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720. And get information on all the home financing options currently available in the state of Nevada. On tap, the Vegas Golden Knights have scored points in every game since the All Star break, but have lost two of their last three games in overtime shootouts. It was Friday's last second win over Air Force, the UNLV Running Rebels' last win of the season? We'll talk about that. Henry Ruggs is the subject of this week's Fact This and the Bones tying them together, where will Derek Carr end up? We'll talk about that. And NFL teams only have until March 7th to franchise franchise tag players. Who are they going to be? Well, we got that for you, too. That's what's on tap if you are looking to buy a home or to refinance the home you currently own. Contact Residential Bank Corp., the company that is funding America one neighborhood at a time. Call 702-964-5720 for details on current Home Financing Options, and you can call that number anytime, 24-7. They're available to help you out. Uh, Listen, guys, we'll get right to it. I mean, uh, uh, another week, just some things amazing me, um, and we'll talk about that throughout the show today. But let's get right into it. Uh, Vegas Golden Knights continue to pile up points, which is what they're trying to do. Maybe not the exact way they're trying to do it, but they're piling up points, so let's get into Nightcap
2: players as you know are warriors they don't give up they
3: come to play every game it's time for Nightcap, a cup full of the vegas golden knights from highlights to
0: interviews to special events the puck starts here jack eichel uh, i wanted to start to run a clip with jack Right i don't know if spencer's got that clip no i don't know Spencer is in Mississippi, so we're contacting through uh, internet. But um, after the game, Jack Eichel talked about. Uh, talk yeah, and
2: that's,
0: yeah, and that's, that, that's, the, that's the thing. That's, they should have gotten two points in the game. It's really uh, the last couple of games have come down to right at the end of the game. They've they've had it. Calgary was a great comeback where it was kind of the reverse of that, where they actually came back and won that game uh, in overtime. But uh, the other two games the game in chicago which uh, everyone thought you know chicago the third worst record team record wise in the NHL this year now without patrick kane i believe he's headed to the new york rangers but um that was a game that they should have won. Uh, they were in it till the end. They lost in the shootout, and then they lost in the shootout last night to Dallas. After Dallas scores with under a minute to go in the game um, to uh, to tie it up, and then of course no no goals in overtime, and they win the shootout. Uh, not by any means Laurent Brosois' fault. This guy has uh, come up big, man. Almost got forty saves in last night's game. There's only so much you can do, and it's not the teams that, that is not producing in front of them. They're also running into some hot goaltenders, Chris. And- And it seems like maybe teams gear up a little bit to play the Vegas Golden Knights. But it's a shame to see Brossois playing so well. And when I say ashamed, ashamed that he's not getting wins in all these games. Because like Bruce Cassidy said after the game, and uh, we'll let him say that first before I let you chime in, Chris. After the game, Bruce Cassidy talked about uh, Laurent Brossois and what he um, has been uh, doing for this team. And uh, the fact that he should have probably or could have won all three games.
1: done his job. He's done his job very well for us. Um, and I'm happy for him because he's a hard-working guy that you know, has sort of worked to get back to this this point now this year. So it's too bad we couldn't put him put him in the win column every night but get uh, big picture is he's given us solid goaltending. Most of these games we've played relatively well in front of with the exception of a period it seems like. And he's really held us into. Uh, Calgary the other night first period. Some of it's PK driven which is another Whole story tonight, I thought, with with how that played out. To be honest, with some of the calls, and then tonight it was the second period. Their power play gave a lot of juice and momentum, and that long change. Now guys are exhausted, and fatigued to kill, so you know they don't have some of the stuff to get going the other way. So he's really held us in when um, you know when when we've needed it in our bad stretches. So we haven't been a full sixty minute team in front. Of, yeah, even Chicago, we weren't sixty minutes for sure. We had half a the game there where we got casual.
0: Yeah, and uh, we'll hear from Laurent Boswa a minute. I got a chance to talk with him in the locker room after the game, and uh, we'll hear a couple of comments from him. Chris, after the game... Got a chance to talk to, uh, you know, we were all in the press conference, and Chris asked the first question to Bruce Cassidy, which I thought was a really good one because, again, in their last three games, they're 1-0-2. They have picked up four points in those three games, and points are what you want to accumulate. Regardless of the loss to Dallas last night, they are still two points in front of Dallas for the best record in the Western Conference right now, and they want to hang on to that. You want to hang on to the number one seed if you can. Dallas, a very good team, as we saw. They got three goals with over 20 20 goals. Three players, I should say. One player. uh, Robertson, one of the best players in the league this year. Over 30 points, I think 35 goals he has, excuse me, and uh, playing really well. But after the game, Chris asked Bruce Cassidy, you know, how they're going to, you know, basically prevent this from happening at the end of games and winning games like this. Because uh, in the postseason... This won't bode well. You lose a game like they lost to Chicago or they lost to Dallas, and that can be a series-ending play. Even if it's in game one, that's the kind of thing that can really shift momentum in a different direction. And This was Chris after the game talking to her, asking uh, Coach Bruce Cassidy that question.
1: well I mean both uh, I'll look at both those games and we were we had the puck on our stick when the problem started so that is usually um, something you can correct in Chicago we shot it into the crowd put ourselves in a really bad spot six on four lost a draw which is typically gonna happen six on four and so that one is one of those ones you think well you know we'll manage it better next time this time we have a great breakout a clean two on one with you know our t- two of our better players with the puck Typically would end up, I think Robertson made a hell of a play to dive across. It's something no one expected, but you still have to just chip it by him. And, you know, it's probably game over. But easier said than done from, from the bench. So there's two goals that basically happened, I think, with the puck on our stick that should have been in. And so it wasn't like a flurry of two straight minutes in our end. I thought we did a good job defending. <coughs> Got some fresh bodies out there. I will say on the goal, we left the middle of the ice open for a split second where we could have collapsed better not something we'll address, but some of the stuff leading up. And then there's one in Jersey, we let it get away. that, But it, that deflected in off our own guy and other ones. So there's three times we should have you know, had wins, but all three times it wasn't the same two minutes in our end where we just couldn't you know, get it done. It was you know, odd circumstances. So was it one of those years, or is it really problematic? in the playoffs you let these games get away go to overtime and lose it can change a series so i understand that right now you're accumulating points and, and you know that's the positive part of it, the loser point but so that
0: that's one you know we'll have to go back and forth on And uh, Chris, you know, he said it right. I mean, he's very aware of the fact that in the playoffs, a loss like this can end a series. Like I said, even in Game 1, momentum is everything in the postseason. And you can't play this well. Even though Dallas played just as well. I mean, I think they had more shots on goal than the Golden Knights did. But the Golden Knights, some great chances. They did run into a really hot goaltender. But they had a hot goaltender as well. Um, It sucks, you know, Chris, in these shootouts too. You know, Jack Eichel, Jonathan Marshall, these are guys guys that one-on-one against the goaltender should beat him nine times out of ten. And uh, the fact that they didn't hurt. And, of course, uh, Dallas wins the game.
3: Yeah, well, I'll start by saying I hate the shootout. I, I I think it's the dumbest way to decide a game. Quite honestly, I'd rather just have a tie. Just give me a tie. Go back to the 80s, early 90s. Give me ties. I'm fine with that. Um, Look, the reality is I think this is now the fourth time that they have given up a goal in the last few seconds of a game to send it to overtime. They've only I believe they've only won one, and that was against Nashville. Was that New Year's New Year's Eve? Uh, they gave up a six on four goal, I think it yeah. was. And uh the, Nick Hagan's ends up scoring the winner in overtime to send everyone home happy. But like Bruce mentioned, the other night against Chicago, it was a a weird kind of play. Because you don't expect Alex, Alex Petrangelo to put a puck into the fourth row with mm. when, when, when the team is, is is facing an empty net. Bad luck?
0: Maybe just a little trigger-happy? A little I, bit lackadaisical. Just yeah, something yeah. he didn't think. But, I mean, you're right. You cannot take a delay-a-game penalty at that yeah, and, in the end the Yeah, and
3: look, the thing is, Petrangelo is so good that you're almost willing, or at least me, I'm willing to overlook that and say, you know what, the guy's so good that— no player is perfect, yeah. right? Guys make mistakes all the time, even at inopportune times. Alex Petrangelo has been one of the best players this team has had. This this team, so uh, but yeah, last night Bruce mentioned it. Jason Robertson with a, with an incredible play, and Bruce was was you know he he was also pretty pretty uh, I, I would say accurate in the fact that they probably should have scored. Met two on one, um, you know Chandler Stevenson has an opportunity to to to, to basically ice the game and Jason Robertson makes an incredible play and he ends up being the catalyst to help them score the game tying goal. Look, you mentioned it before we played clips about teams getting up to play the golden Knights and, and teams coming in here wanting to win. I don't think that's ever gone away. I think there's still a a, a, a thing around the league that players want to get up and play in Vegas. They enjoy coming here. They enjoy the atmosphere they like the rock concert aspect of it. I talk to visiting players a lot, and they always tell me that this is one of the one of the games that they circle. Dallas. When when we talked to Ropey Hints last night, he he let the cat out of the bag that they were spending. Or no, it was Jason Robertson. I'm sorry, who's actually a, a lot bigger than I than I thought. But he he let the cat out of the bag that the team was spending the night in Vegas. So they were stoked about the fact that they came back from behind, got a win against a team that they're they're going head-to-head with in in the playoff battle, and now they get to spend the night in Vegas. And, you know, they, they were stoked about that. So, um, you know, Brian, this is still a city where we're visiting teams. They want to come. They want to win. They want to put on a show. Very rarely do you see teams come into this building and lay an egg. It just doesn't seem... To happen very often. And and when it does happen, it's because the team just isn't very good. You don't see good teams come into this building and lay an egg. Generally, when a good team comes in here, they're bringing their A game. Dallas has brought their A game twice this season to T-Mobile Arena. They've beaten the Golden Knights twice in this building. Uh, Pete DeBoer mentioned last night, because I asked him about it, he said, well, you know, the first game was also low-scoring. I believe they won that one 4 nothing, but it was a low-scoring game going into the third period, and then the wheels kind of fell off. But last night was was i said to my wife when i got home i said first of all the thing i will take away from it is the save that Loren Swap made in overtime might have been the ver- the best save i've e- it's by far and away the best save i've ever seen live and it's quite possibly the best save i've ever seen
0: Sports center number 7 last night i it thought should've it should have been, been, been number 1 i agree i saw that and saw the same thing but
3: but you know like, like like the thing is that game that game i i know it was 2-2 and fans want high scoring games that was a great hockey game with two goalies who were absolutely dialed in. Loren Brassois has been fantastic since he's come back to Vegas. And and what can you say about Jake Ottinger? The guy, the guy is, I mean, if he's not one of the top five goalies in the league, he's certainly getting close to being in that discussion. What an absolute draft for the Dallas Stars to get Mira Haskin in, Jason Robertson, and then Jake Ottinger, yeah. all in the first, like, 35 unfair. picks. Um, yeah, it is is unfair. It's almost like the guy, when you're playing video games, you're like, hey, wait a minute, that's not right. You you, you cheated. And then they got the kid, Wyatt Johnston, 19 years old. Yeah. He scored a goal last night. 19 years old, the kid's got 14 goals. I mean, the Dallas Stars are are, are a really good team. I love Pete DeBoer, great coach. Very, very well-coached team. Yep. And, uh, you know, they they just acquired a guy who Vegas fans may know. And Evgeny Dodonov, yeah. they they, tra- they just traded for him. So, Denis Gurionov was in Vegas last night. He's now on his way to join the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, Evgeny Dodonov on his way to Dallas. So, I, apparently the star is not on his no-trade list. And uh, he's reunited with Pete DeBoer.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Dallas is Dallas is going to be a real tough out in the postseason. But you know what? If the Vegas Golden Knights, if they continue to get the kind of goaltending they're getting from Laurent Brossois, they're a team that is going to be a tough out in the playoffs because, as you know, when it comes to the postseason, everyone's game elevates. But goaltending is, in, in all sports, the last line of defense in Vegas is the most important. I should say in hockey is the most important, and that's the goaltender. You have seen hot goaltenders, Chris, uh, that have played on a team Team. Again, I, I always revert back to the LA Kings of about seven or eight years ago with Jonathan Quick, maybe a little bit longer than that now. But when they got their stand their first Stanley Cup, they got in the playoffs on the last day of the of the regular season with the eighth seed, and that catapulted them to the Stanley Cup. And it was all Jonathan Quick who won the MVP. I mean, he was completely impermeable. And guys like Jake Ottinger can do that as well. They he have was that phenomenal kind of ability
3: in the playoffs last he year was, for them.
0: And 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 I mean this guy has the ability. And that's the key. Lauren Brossois plays like he did last night. The Golden Knights have a chance to go a long way. I think, you know, it's interesting now when you do get all the goaltenders healthy again. You get Aiden Hill back. And, uh, you know, you wonder what is going to happen right now because this team is going to have three goaltenders. You only have two dress per night. And I think Lauren Brossois is showing us that he may be the second best goaltender on this team. And in the postseason, if he plays like this, I'll tell you what, it's nice to have a guy right behind the starter that can come in and play well, and you know, Laurent Brossois, speaking of him, Chris, I want to get to his, what he had to say after the game. First, uh, about the save you talked about, it was absolutely incredible. Again, yes, it was a little bit of a happy birthday, because he wasn't looking, but you know what? Aren't they all, though? They are, and you know what? He threw his arm back, anticipating a shot. He knew the shot was coming. No doubt. This is what he had to say after the game, and I love his humility, because he is a humble. Humble, soft-spoken guy. But this is what Lauren Brossois said about that goal after the game. And, you know, they kept the puck out of the net. With just If you haven't seen it, you need to check out that goal. It was amazing. I don't know if Spencer can find it at all but at some point in the broadcast maybe play it, but it was pretty incredible. But also, Laurent Persuad, the big thing, Chris, is, you know, the guy had hip surgery and missed pretty much all of last season. And, you know, hip surgery and goaltending does not sound like two things that are going to mesh. People are questioning whether Robin Leonard will ever play hockey again. You know, he does have, obviously, some depression issues, but the hip issues are equally or more important than that when it comes to actually getting on the ice. Laurent Brossard went through that, and yet it seems like he's recovered really well and, you know, asked him about his uh you know how he's feeling and you know now that he's back in the NHL and and after the hip surgery and you know he basically said and this is what he had to say but he basically said that you know he's feeling as good as he had in a long time playing without pain yeah well he he he's been dealing You know, and that's that's the key, is Chris, is uh, health with goaltending is gigantic. And, you know, when again, when you hear a hip, uh, that's something, you know, the flexibility of, goal, of being a goaltender, that is the key is flexibility. You've got to be able to be a cat out there. And um, Laurent Brossois has shown a great deal of flexibility, and I'll tell you what, maybe he is a better goaltender than everyone's given him credit for because maybe he has been more hurt, and now that he's healthy, we're seeing this guy may have a better upside than we've, we've thought all along. Well, yeah, he, he's
3: he's certainly playing the best hockey since we've seen him in Vegas. Um, you know, the, the 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 thing is, as you mentioned, health for for a goalie is paramount, and especially lower body stuff. Uh, you mentioned Robin Leonard and and he's he's dealt with a variety of issues, and but he's a he's a much bigger guy. He had the shoulder issue we we know about, and obviously now he's had some some lower body stuff going on, but for a goalie to, to to be able to to move and maneuver in the crease it's it's basically life and death in the NHL if a goalie's unable to move he's not going to be very good and I, I i think with Laurent first of all i'm very happy to see Laurent Brossois uh back and playing well uh you know you, you sometimes these guys they don't really give given an, an inkling of how hurt they really are and you know there's there's that old adage there's a difference between injured and hurt Guys will play injured. Guys can't play hurt. And Laurent Brossois never really led on to how how hurt he really was until we found out that he was having surgery and he was going to miss a, a, a lot of time coming into this season. But it's a good problem for for Bruce Cassidy and the Golden Knights to have three goalies who are, who were all playing really well because I think Aiden Hill has been pretty well and pretty good as well uh, when he's been called on. They're, you know, it's funny. There, I, I, we're now about sixty games into the season, so we're 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 at that three quarter poll basically. And Brian, I, I cannot think of a game where I look at anybody who's played in net for the Golden Knights and said, "Man, they they just sucked tonight," and and that's why the team lost. I don't think there's one game I could point to and say, "You know what, that guy was just terrible tonight." Like. Every game, whether it's Logan Thompson, Lauren Brossois, Aiden Hill, they've all played really good. So, 99% of the losses this year are not because of the goalies. Now, are there cases where the guys maybe could have made an extra save? Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there are. I'm not a goalie guy who analyzes every every little shot that that, that comes at a goaltender, but what I do know from, from watching every game this year is Golden Knights have done a really good job with their goalie situation. They've balanced the workload. I'm guessing Logan Thompson will be back at some point before the playoffs start. Uh, Look, it's a good problem to have going into the playoffs, Brian, where you've got three really good goaltenders. I don't know what they're going to do, but it should be something that should be monitored. The Golden Knights can send Logan Thompson down to Henderson without fear of losing him on waivers. So it is entirely possible that they could get to the point in the postseason where they're able to carry three goalies with the big club because obviously rosters expand and you can do a little more once the playoffs start. But depending on when Logan Thompson comes back and depending on how Aiden Hill and and Loren Brossois play, it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility that Logan Thompson is sent down to Henderson for a short stint, and called back up when the playoffs start so that the Golden Knights can have three goalies and have a full-on competition, but this is a good problem. This is a really good problem no, to have. It,
0: it is, Chris, and I've been, you know, with the trading deadline looming large coming up this week, you know, you're wondering, as, are the Vegas Golden Knights going to make a move? And I've said, you know, that I feel that they should look for a seasoned veteran goaltender. I don't want Marc-Andre Fleury to come back. I don't want that to be, that kind of pressure to be put on him and him to tarnish what he what he's done here in Las Vegas, but somebody like that a seasoned veterans, to have just waited in the wings if you need him, somebody to come in. Because the one problem that they have with these guys, and yes it's a good problem to have all of them playing really well, but again none of them have very much very, very limited. I know Logan Thompson's never played in the playoffs. I don't know if Aiden Hill has any playoff experience. If he does, it's very limited. And the same with Laurent Brosewai. He's been around since like 2012 for a few different teams, but I don't know if he's got any playoff experience. So you're talking about three guys that are not, that when when the playoffs come and, and everyone elevates their game to another level, are these three guys, you know, it's going to be a little bit of a shell shock. Not that they're not going to be able to handle Logan Thompson has been like I said, his story in general is great and what, he done, what he's done after only playing 20 games last year and literally by himself, keeping the Golden Knights at least in the playoff hunt till the last couple games of the season and then to come in this year, win that starting job and play so well especially at the beginning of the season and, and he was playing well again before he got hurt that you know he's done a miraculous job but in the same respect, again, the playoffs are a different animal. And you see, you know, you don't think when you, watch the, the, when you watch hockey and you get up close, like even at the practice, and you see how fast these guys are, you think, wow, they're going unbelievable speed. Watch the playoffs. Go watch a playoff game on the glass. And it is literally another, they find another gear. And that's where I worry about the goaltending when the postseason gets here, where they might make that move. But I think, Chris, my opinion is, now seeing these three guys, I'm going to agree with you, it's a good problem to have. Maybe you ride these three guys. And you you have one to. Of them, and, then, and then you say, you know what, if we're going to find somebody at the trading deadline, let's get one more guy that can put the puck in the net. Because even though the Vegas Golden Knights with Michael Amadio scoring a goal last night have nine players now with double-digit goals, and there's a very good chance Alec Petrangelo is eight. He's still got 30 games left to play. Not quite 30 games. Yeah, 30 games, right? 20, 20, 20 games. 20, 20 games left to play. That he could get two more goals conceivably in those 20 games. And you could have 10 guys with 10-plus goals. But last night, Jake, Jack Eichel's goal made him the first 20-goal scorer on the Vegas Golden Knights this year. And Chris, there's probably five or six teams that aren't in the playoffs that have guys that have scored over 20 goals in their team. I like the fact that they're, that they're spreading it out, but you don't have anybody that... You, you should have at least one player on this team with 25-plus goals at this point in the season.
3: Yeah, I, I want to touch on your, your, your point about the goalie. I don't think they need to make a move for a goalie. Look, at some point... Goalies have to make their debut in the playoffs. So this is the time for for Logan Thompson, Aiden Hill, and Loren Brassois to show that they are capable of helping a team make a run in the playoffs. I I don't think that's something that's even on the table. Uh, But I do feel like if they're going to make a move, the rumors are that they are in active talks with the San Jose Sharks. And look, I mean, obviously we don't know because the organization is so tight-lipped. That we we don't know a lot of times until things happen. Uh, like no nobody knows what the Golden Knights and Kelly McCrimmon are going to do. Obviously, this week they move Shea Weber's contract that gives them flexibility for next season. So my initial thought is, and they probably are kicking the tires on Timo Meyer. And my feeling is, if they add Timo Meyer to this team, and you are able to get Mark Stone back, all of a sudden you have a top line. Of Jack Eichel, Mark Stone, and Timo Meyer. Timo Meyer is a guy who's got thirty plus goals. Uh, you know, I I like Timo Meyer for for a variety of reasons. For starters, I like the fact that he he, he plays with an edge. He's he mean.
0: I, yeah, li- I we, like. We don't like him because he plays for the San Jose Sharks. Yeah, but if you watch him, yeah, he's
3: a. It's a respect. He, he, he's a bit of a yeah. throwback in the the idea that he's a top line guy who's tough. And he's mean and he's kind of nasty. I like I like players like that. Look, I can appreciate Connor McDavid and, and just how he might be the, the greatest player ever. I mean, he's certainly in the discussion already, and he's still not even twenty-five, or or he's very close to twenty-five. I I, I don't remember exactly how old he is, but you know, it's one of those things where where you you watch these guys play and Timo Meyer is is he he plays with an edge. And, and I like, I like top-line guys who are a bit nasty. He gets to the greasy, dirty areas of the ice. Look, I don't know where he's going to go. The rumors are it's between Vegas and New Jersey. We'll see what happens there. But I don't think they need a goalie. I do feel like if they are going to make a move, they've got to go out and get a guy who compliments Jack Eichel.
0: Oh, they do, and, and Connor McDavid, what you're saying, 26 years old, uh, just turned 26 in January. I mean, uh, you know, Chris and I were, were just talking a little bit before the show saying, you know, I asked him flat out, is Connor McDavid the best player in the history of the game? Is he better than Wayne Gretzky? Is he better than Gordie Howe? It's so hard to say because it's such a different game now than it was then. But in the same respect, this guy is absolutely amazing. He's doing things that you can only do on video games. I mean, it is absolutely incredible what this guy does. Two more goals last night. We're going to talk about, you know, just real quick, I'll let you know if you don't know. He's got 48 goals now and 63 assists. Chris, that's 109 points. And like you said, we're two-thirds of the way through the season. And it's just, you know, it's amazing what this guy does. You know, He's on his way to record breaking that. And you know, and then on his, on his, like you said, a line, talk about a productive line. And then Leon Dreisaitl, not only a great goal scorer, Leon Drysettle is a guy you don't really want to mix it up with. He's tough as nails, too. He's got 36 goals, by the way. He had one last night, too. And in a comeback loss, they came back and actually tied the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, ended up losing that game in overtime. But Connor McDavid, man, I mean, you talk about it 60 games, 48 goals. That is just unprecedented. It's unprecedented what well, Leon Drysettle is doing, 36 goals in 60 games. But what, what Connor McDavid is doing is just Amazing And like I said, it's like watching a video uh, a video game because he is that good. Uh, the Boston Bruins also, I, it's hard not to mention them. Their goalie, Linus Yomark, uh, had a goal last night. Uh, first goaltender goal since 2020. And the first in the history of the Boston Bruins, one of the original six. Um, it was pretty incredible. Just about 50, a little over 50 seconds to go in the game. And he lifted it up and put it in an empty net. But it was pretty cool to see. And, you know, the Boston Bruins, I mean, right now they're on pay. For 63 wins this season If they keep going the way they're going The NHL record is 62 wins Set by the 95-96 Red Wings And also by the 2018-2019 Tampa Bay Lightning uh, The Boston Bruins are on pace For 134 points The NHL record Montreal Montreal set In the 76-77 season With 132 points The Boston Bruins are probably going to be The toughest out maybe in my lifetime I don't know how they this team gets beat. You know, you talk about Yomar also getting a goal last night. He's probably, he's definitely the odds-on favorite to win the Vesna Trophy this year. The guy is just unbelievable. It's like, Boston's not good enough without having the best goaltender in the league also. It is a really dangerous, really scary Boston Bruins team, and I'm praying somebody can knock them out. I'm tired of Boston, I'm tired of that whole area, and them with all the wins they have. They don't need a juggernaut hockey team, and they've got one right now. And, you know, Closing up on the Vegas Golden Knights, what I will say this season is, you know, again, you know, Eichel gets his 20th last night, Amadio gets his 9th, nice to see that happening. Um Again, with the trading deadline is going to is this Friday. Actually, we'll see if the Golden Knights make any move. Timo Meyer would be an incredible pickup for this team, no question about it. A borderline Hall of Fame guy that uh, that will come in, and and again, if like Chris said, if Mark Stone is able to return for the postseason, even at eighty percent, Mark Stone, Jack Eichel, and Timo Meyer would be one of the best. Productive production lines in the NHL for the postseason this year. Um, and finally, tough next week for the Vegas Golden Knights. They're really getting tested. Uh, tomorrow they're going to be at Colorado. Colorado who started the season kind of dragging has really picked it up and are playing some great hockey. Some of the best players in the game there in, in, in Colorado. And then it's back to the Fortress to play two of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. Matter of fact, two of the top three teams in the National Hockey League. Uh, Uh, They're in the Metropolitan Conference on the Eastern Division. uh, Eastern Conference, I should say. They are... Carolina, They play, I believe, on Thursday night. And then Chris's uh, team, the New Jersey Devils, are in town on Friday night. I'm sure you'll be at that game enjoying it. But the Devils playing some great hockey. And I'll tell you what, at the end of it, when it's all said and done in June, Chris, if Carolina or New Jersey is hoisting the cup, neither one of us will be surprised. And the Golden Knights have to go up against those two teams this week after playing Colorado, a rivalry game tomorrow night. If the Vegas Golden Knights can somehow, I'm saying I would like to see, out of these 3 games, I would like to see 4 points. I think if they can come away with 4 points out of these 3 games, Chris, that would be a tremendous win.
3: Yeah, and and then it doesn't get any easier because yeah, you do have the Montreal game, but then you got to go on the road for 5. You're you're basically your last East Coast trip of the year where you will go play uh the two Florida teams, Carolina, Philadelphia, and St. Louis. All right, maybe those last two not so tough, but the three uh before that certainly are going to be a difficult task. Look, Colorado as you mentioned is is playing well. They've now won 5 straight. They are right on the heels of the Dallas Stars, nipping at their heels uh a, a bit there, I guess so to speak. Uh look, the 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 the, the west is wide open. We know the Boston Bruins are going to win the President's Cup or the President's Trophy. Uh look, they, they 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 may set all sorts of records. They're already at 95 points. They're going to they're they're, they're going to smash a ton of records. This season, unless they shut it down, but yeah, you mentioned both New Jersey and Carolina, two teams that I think will will, will possibly try to get some some things done at the deadline. Um, New Jersey also in the mix for Timo Meyer. I, I think that's where he ends up. I sorry, Vegas fans. As much as I think I'd love to see him here, I, I just think he ends up in New Jersey. I feel like the Devils have a lot more to offer. So when you you, there there is a very real possibility. That Timo Meyer will be playing in that game on Friday. Yeah. The question is for which team yeah, will will he be playing for? Uh, I I think it, it for for Devil or for Golden Knight fans, it would be tough to see him come in here on Friday and suiting up in the white, red, and black of New Jersey. But you know, I mean, it, it'd be kind of cool to see him suiting up in the gold. So <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, you know, the, the the Colorado game tomorrow, not an easy game. Not an easy game by any stretch, and Carolina. You mentioned they 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 could end up hoisting the Stanley Cup. I I, I mean, this is why we love the game. The, the 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 stretch run is going to be phenomenal. The Golden Knights basically playing every other night now until their yeah. season ends. Um,
0: so it, it's it's we're going to see what this team is made of. We yeah, really are yeah we're about to see the makeup of this team 23 games left in the regular season um, I would say if they can average a point a game they're gonna win the conference uh, get first seed in the conference 23 more points should do it but um, yeah what Boston's done you look at 95 points at this point in the season that is unbelievable and in almost insurmountable it's its it just uh, it's incredible what they've done and it'd be not, I think it's the point in Boston right now and I've talked to a few of my friends from the area New England Boston area You know, At this point in time, you can't lose. You have to win the Stanley Cup. You cannot win the President's Cup. Break the record for the most points ever in a season, maybe the most wins ever in a season, and you don't win the Stanley Cup. That would be tragic. I've watched the Wings win the President's Cup a couple times and not win the Stanley Cup. Matter of fact, years ago, they bowed out in the first round, years ago, to the San Jose Sharp Artur's Irby (laughs) decided all of a sudden that he was going to be Kenny Dryden or Patrick Waugh and play out of his mind. The next series, they got bounced in four games. Games, but not until they took the President's Cup winning Red Wings out of the playoffs. We were disgusted by that. And you know, I I, I I was I guess you can't say friends to a degree with Bob Probert. And it's funny because he played on my Summer League team for three years in Detroit, and we were sponsored by a, a a bar called the Shark Club, and our jerseys looked exactly like San Jose, and he's like, Oh man, if if Bowman sees me wearing this jersey, that would be the end of it. You know, he's 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 playing with us like two nights after they get bumped by San Jose wearing a Sharks jersey, and I thought, man, how badly would I have loved, if social media would have been as prevalent then as it is now, someone would have definitely had a picture and sent that to to, to Scotty Bowman. Real quickly, if you see in the studio, I moved over a little bit, because over my right shoulder is Ben Wallace, and Chris, I don't know what that jersey is, because he didn't play at North Carolina, that looks like, he played it like um, Virginia Union, that has like red and white jerseys, huh. so I don't know where the hell they got that blue jersey from and put it on him, but I had to put the big fro behind me, it's pretty cool that Ben Wallace, and I haven't seen it before, but it's a punching bag. Ben Wallace, interesting. No,
3: you know what it is? It's it's a it's a it's a tool that you bring out on the court. And when you're shooting jumpers, you put them in front of you to, to, to elevate your, your shot there so it gets up over it's, it's the, the seven-footer. Like, it's
0: definitely like life-size. It because, is life-size, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's huge, and it's, it was really cool. I came in here, I want to steal it, but I won't. Um, real quickly, moving on, and again, the Golden Knights, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Big, big week for them and a big rest of the season. Uh, I want to talk quickly about UNLV basketball. Didn't want to disregard this, um, and I'm just going to start right off. We get to UNLV basketball. Kevin Kruger after the game. Um I, I I can't blame him for what he says, and I, and by the way, you know one of the most likable not just coaches, but people that I've met. I mean, he's such a good guy. It's very difficult to sit here and do our job all the time and say, you know, what you really think. I I think Kevin Kruger could be a decent coach down the road. I think, you know, he should have started maybe as a head coach at a different university at a different level, but he's here this season. They pick up their 17th win Friday night against Air Force at home, and uh, this is what he said right after the game. Up, I don't know if Spence has that one or not. All right, well, we'll go on. We'll we'll, we'll keep talking. I don't know if he does or not. Um, but you know, after the game, he basically said he was proud of the guys. And, uh, you know, that they played well. And, you know, and what he kept alluding to, Chris, which really surprised me a great deal, is he kept talking about how tough it is to play Air Force. Like, they haven't seen a team like this before, you know, and, 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 and ranting and raving about how, you know, how happy he was and proud of these guys for playing the way they did against Air Force. Chris, Air Force is... 14-16 Fourteen and sixteen on the season. They're worse than 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 UNLV in the Mountain West. Matter of fact, they're the second worst team in the Mountain West at five and twelve. And if they're so hard to play against, why does nobody else have a problem?
3: Yeah, that, that, that's a tired excuse. Um, I'm I'm going to tell it because Air Force is not good, and I understand that they play a, a a Princeton offense. But when you watch a team like San Diego State play them, San Diego State smashes them. You watch Utah State play them. Utah State smashes them. Look, I, I, I get playing. On the road, it's a different story. This is not a team you should be having to come up with a miracle steal in the final seconds to beat. Uh, look, it, it it's a win, and that's certainly a positive. It gets them off a, a losing streak of sorts. But, Brian, you look at the schedule, and, I mean, it's not easy. It, it, it is not going to be easy because they've got Reno. Yeah, Utah State up in Reno. And Utah Reno, State, and, and
0: Utah State already beat them here at the Thomas. Yeah, and, Mac. and you
3: don't know who who they're 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 going to be in the playing game in the Mountain West tournament. Yep.
0: I mean the the, the situation. Well, is, look at these two teams are playing Utah State, who they got they go to next. Yeah. thirteen and two at home, Chris. And by the way, that t- school from up north. You know what their record is at home. They don't lose. They haven't lost a game. It's 14-0 yeah. on they, the road. They don't lose. And they've got the revenge factor yeah. from coming in here and losing. And then, and then you've
3: got the Steve Alford factor, yeah. and, and we know what and Steve Alford thinks so, of Vegas. So, so they
0: lose these two games, Chris, okay? They, they they lose these two games, and they end the season 17-13, and 13, and they go to the Mountain West Conference playing game. I'm going to tell you right now, the only team I feel comfortable with in the Mountain West playoff game is Wyoming. Yeah, even Air Force after what they just did. I mean, you know, you got unbelievably lucky. I mean, they got a steal at the end. Jackie Johnson, the third, gets a steal and they score a basket to win by one with one and a half seconds to go in the game. They were losing most of the on game a, on a
3: putback, by the yeah, way. Yeah,
0: on a putback. And, so, and,
3: so I mean, look, it was a it was a, a a tight game. It was a back and forth game, and you know, we we, we talk about it all the time and. You know, I, I I really like Kevin Kruger. I mean, I, I knew him Me when too. he when he played here. Um, you know, we, we had He was a, pretty, a point
0: guard of the last team that went to the Sweet Sixteen yeah, here. Yeah, we, we had a we had
3: a pretty good relationship. So I root for the guy. Look, I I don't I don't do too much with UNLV basketball, but I will say I'm an alum and I root for the team. I want them to do well. Uh, you know, I mean some look if if, if I was covering the team a lot more, obviously I, I, I can't have that rooting interest, but you know, I, I, I don't really do a whole lot when it comes to UNV basketball, so I root for the team. I, I want to see the program succeed. I look at it as a – it's a positive for, for the university when your athletic teams are are successful. And right now, the, the, the most successful teams on campus – I mean, we got to talk about the Lady Rebels – Seventeen and zero in the Mountain West. Yeah. Somehow they've won like like
0: eighteen games in a row or whatever. Next week I'm going to see if I can get their coach on the show because <laughs> they're they and, and somehow, they're Brian, a top 25 team somehow in the they top twenty five somehow they dropped a spot. Yeah, I know. Like the well, the, the, it's the, respect for the Mountain West. Well, the Conference women's men, game. It, the
3: women's game is is is. is if you don't play in a, in a major conference, you get zero respect. No, 100%. And, and that's unfortunate because Lindy Rock has done an incredible job. This the only her third are, season.
0: No, she's she's unreal. The question people are asking me about the women's team is, if this team somehow gets unlucky and, say, gets bumped, I mean, they'd have to make it to the conference championship game. I, I, but if I they think, got bumped in the conference yeah. championship, they're top 25 in the country. they got to get in still, right? I,
3: I would imagine they're... they're, they're
0: as but long that's as the they're, only way. you got to get to the conference championship you, I, I, I losing that game. You know, it...
3: You don't want to take that chance.
0: No, you don't. And, but I'm saying and that's I don't the think, only but, way. But like Lindy, Lindy
3: is is she's going to have them ready to play because I think that's the the adage that she's going to sell. Hey, look, we're one bid league. Yes, and if we lose, we're going to be in the NIT. Yep. You don't want that. You don't want that, especially considering how well they played down in Tucson last year. And they certainly have the capability to win a game or two in the NCAA. Well, oh, I, I agree. 100%. But they've got to get there.
0: Yeah, we'll t- we're, and hopefully, like I said, I'm gonna try to get Lindsay on the on the show next week. Lindy. Fact, Lindy, excuse me, and both the coaches actually. I'm gonna try to get Kevin on the show next week as well as they get they both teams prepare for the Mountain West Conference tournament, which for both, you know, it's it just such a benefit that UNLV basically hosts. That uh, they there, it's a home games, and and I mean, you can't ask yeah, for but more than Ryan, that. Brian, how how much of
3: a home game is it if you're playing at two o'clock in the afternoon on a Thursday?
0: No, it's it, it's not, but it still is because you're it's comfortability. Now, I, for, I I understand, uh, Chris, but, but you're at home. You're not traveling.
3: It's just a more I of a comfort I get that, but, level. but the idea of, of opposing fans still having an issue with this, look, if UNLV was a top 15 program in the country...
0: That'd be a problem. That's a problem
3: because no. they're, they're we'll going to be playing you, the, the primetime game. The proof is
0: and, in the pudding. It hasn't helped to this When's point. the last time they won a yeah. game? No, no, you're right. But again, Semifinals. Real, real quick, back to the UNLV men's team. I just wanted to say, you know, uh, the problem was... Uh, Spencer, the Wiz was actually going through customs, or not customs, but going through security. security. Yes, he was <laughs> He's back in his seat now. So go go ahead if you will, um, Spence, and play uh, what Kevin Kruger had to say after the game.
2: It just it couldn't be more proud of him for uh, for just continuing to fight. Uh, it just shows that the message got through. You know, uh, the hardest part about playing Air Force is having guys I've never seen. And even in the, in the prep, uh, you can say it's gonna be faster. You can say it's gonna be—they're uh, gonna cut harder. You can say that the guys gonna be bigger. There's really no way to, to truly simulate what they do, um, just because of the way they, they read each other and, and the way they pass, the way they cut. Um, it, but it, the guys took the message for the, for the last three days. I think uh, they focused on the defensive side, you know, because when you play a team like Air Force, a seven-point lead, six-point lead, it, it feels like 12 or 13. So, and those those types of games can get away from you pretty quick because their first play is identical to their last play in terms of pace and space. And, uh, so, it could be more proud of the guys. Uh, could be more proud of the way they supported each other. Um, just kind of stuck with it. Uh, you know, different guys played to, to to finish the game tonight than maybe normal, and uh, and guys made plays and didn't quit. I mean, Jackie's getting a hand on that on that pass. is it's the only option we had left. It's the only uh, opportunity we had to. To have a chance to win the game, it was if somebody gets a deflection or, or a steal, and and uh, and he did that, so uh, couldn't be more proud of him, Couldn't be more happy for him to to kind of get one to and go our direction, which has kind of felt lately like uh, you know we've we've been on the wrong side of a couple of those. So uh, really happy for him, and uh, just excited to get back in the gym, watch the film with them, and, uh, and get ready for next week. Yeah, again, I'm yeah, not gonna. I'm not gonna go
0: elaborate too much on that. I I didn't like it. I mean, we're super proud of them. I understand that you want to say that. I don't know why the guys are celebrating the locker room. They barely beat the second worst team in the Mountain West Conference on their home court with a last second win, and like Chris said, it was a putback. I'm not so sure about that. After the game, though, the one thing that I was about to bring up is the UNLV had 12 turnovers in the first half uh, 17 overall And 7 of those 17 turnovers By their best player EJ Harkless Who in the first half looked as lethargic as can be And yes, he still had quietly And that just quietly He had 23 points He was the lead of scoring in the game EJ Harkless does does score in double digits And is a guy capable of scoring 20 plus points In any game he is uh, Defensively he's okay But he turns the ball over He's not a floor general And after the game You know, what I asked Coach uh, Kruger about is 12 turnovers in the first half. When you go in the locker room after you turn the ball over 12 times in the first half, but you're only down one point, is it a negative or is positive? And this is uh, that conversation. Kevin, 12 turnovers in the first half, but you're only down one point. What do you say to them at at halftime after 12 turnovers, but you're only down one? Is it a positive or a negative? Uh, Well,
2: it's negative to have 12 turnovers sure, but, uh, you know, and again, against a team that, you know, doesn't necessarily pressure you, you know, they don't, they're don't, they not up into the ball unless you kind of drive into bad situations, which I thought is what we did. But again, I haven't seen the film yet, of course, obviously, but, uh, you know, I just thought we drove into crowds. Our spacing wasn't really good, and when you have a team that switches some things and doesn't switch others, your spacing's got to be lean if you want to get good looks, and I thought on most of the plays we scored on, um, I'm sure we'll be able to point to the, this is why this happened. You were here, you were here, this is the play you made, know turnovers. It's like, you know, you were too close. You drove it one dribble too many. And uh, and, and again, against the Air Force, to be down one with, with that many turnovers at half was, was almost a, you know, it was a gift.
0: And uh, it was a gift. They got really lucky and they got lucky winning the game. And as I said, I'm just going to say it here and we'll leave it at that. I believe in my heart that probably, or not probably, but very well could have been the last victory for UNLV this season. I think they take losses in their next two games. And if they're really lucky, they get a good draw, they get Wyoming or Air Force, maybe they win the, the play-in game and they get one more win. That's 18 wins on the season. Is that going to be enough for Kevin Kruger to keep his job? We Chris and I talked about it at the game last night, and I'm just going to say this, that I, I kind of agree with Chris. I think he will get another season. Uh, I think out of respect for the family name, I think you know, just out of respect, period. I think Harper won't have the same attitude that he had towards Marcus Arroyo, and simply for a couple of reasons, Chris. Because number one, Kevin Kruger is way more accommodating. He's way more user friendly. He's better with the alumni. He's better with the community. Marcus well, Arroyo, well, he is an alumni, yeah, so so right. it's a little bit different. Marcus you know? Arroyo was just basically here, and 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 the biggest pain in the ass there was as far as getting any kind of an interview or conversation with him outside of a press conference it was almost impossible. I mean, he did his weekly show because he was required to, but he did the very bare minimum that he was required to do and good riddance as far as that goes. I do hope Kevin gets another shot, but I just don't know how this team... I think team, he does. I think he gets... I, look, Chris, I just like don't you know said. how this team gets any better, even if he does get another shot. I mean, the one thing I saw at the beginning of the season, I'm looking at all these guys that came out of the portal and I'm like, wow, look at these D1 Power 5 conference players. Who are of these guys, I didn't, I didn't heard any of them, and you know what? I still haven't heard of anyone, and they played for this team all season. Right now, well, well, you've got I mean, if here, you're going into the portal, Chris. And you know I understand you don't want to grab a one and done player unless you're on a team that has a chance to make a, a solid run at least for your. Conference. But you
3: have to assume that they're all one and dones because yeah, of well, the portal. I mean, and, and, you know, these guys
0: are one and done, here, but in a different, a different yeah. Way. But, but here's the thing, you know i i
3: I, I will criticize Desiree Reed Francois because I felt like it it was. It was it was a a, a bit of a, a maybe a panic hire like how she had no idea that T J Otzelberger was
0: l- listen Chris I'm just gonna I'm sorry to interrupt you but I I really believe that the hire was this. He's already on the bench for T.J. Otzelberger. She knew his father was retiring from Oklahoma, and she thought, you know what? He'll be somewhat involved. He'll be at every game. His face will be there. Maybe even he'll help Kevin with recruiting. None of that's happened. And, well, well, you know, and the funny thing is right now, it shouldn't happen. not. I'm not disagreeing with you, but the thing is this. I will say this. You know, it would help Kevin right now if Lon would show up and be there and be at a few games and be in the crowd. Yeah, we don't know what, what he's doing behind no, no, the scenes. We, do, we don't, We don't. but I'm saying I, need, I think in front of the scenes would bode better. It would make alumni feel a little bit better. It might make Harper feel a little better to know that he's a little bit more involved. I understand. He wasn't hired. He's not the coach here. He moved back to Vegas to be around his kid and his grandchildren, but not to coach the UNLV running Rebels again. That's in the past, but again I believe that Desiree in the back of her mind thought everyone will accept up this move, and it was an easy hire. She didn't have to do a lot of work for it, and I agree. Listen, we are short on time. I want to real quickly get into Fact This, because this meant a lot to me this week as I looked at it. Fact This. If you don't like the facts, take your ass back to bed. Fact This. It's a fact. It has been more than a year and three months since former Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs, while intoxicated almost three times the legal limit, drove his Corvette 156 miles per hour, crashing into 23-year-old Tina Tinter's car, causing a fiery crash that killed her and her dog, and yet he remains free on bail, with a tether on his ankle, and is restricted, not to his house, but to the state of Nevada. To this point, there is still no trial date set, although a new judge has been appointed. This is beyond a grave injustice and is one of the few times in over 35 years of covering sports that I am completely dumbfounded and repulsed at the same time regarding a professional athlete. Now, I can tell you the other times that I've been repulsed. In 1994, I was repulsed when O.J. Simpson was acquitted of murdering Nicole Brown Simpson and Ronald Goldman. I was repulsed when Oster, Oscar Pistorius, South African Olympic athlete, uh, who killed Rena Snethkamp, his girlfriend at the time, was let go for a while. Although now, finally, justice somewhat is served, if you want to call that, as he's serving a 13-year jail sentence... Uh, if you want to call that justice. And I was also repulsed when Brittany Griner spent nearly 10 months in Russian custody. Britney was released in a one-for-one prison swap for an international arms dealer, Victor Bout, uh, a few months back and is now playing in the WNBA again. Uh, Henry Ruggs needs to go away. The story needs to go away, and it needs to go away to prison, and I'm saying for at least 10 to 12 years to make sure there is no playing left in him whatsoever. He's not a criminal. He might not belong in a maximum security penitentiary based on that, but he killed somebody. In, in the most brutal way you can. Not on purpose, but it doesn't matter. He killed somebody. And if I'm Tina Tinter's family right now, I am going nuts about having this guy put in jail. That's my opinion. Listen, we're out of time. This is out of line. I want to thank Chris Magnum, Chapman, Spencer, the Wiz Ostrovsky in Mississippi for holding down the big board. Uh, holding on everything down there. on Brian Feldman. We're out of time. This is out of line. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.
3: you like yelling at technology? Listen anytime on your smart speaker. Just tell it to put on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. KKGK Las Vegas.